no evil. An appropriate word for the time we're living in. Luke 21, 26, Jesus said, in the last days, men's heart will fail them for fear. The word fail them there means paralyzed, can't move because of fear. That's what fear does. Fear paralyzes you. In the New Testament epistles, the apostle writes about the devil, and he says, the devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. In the animal kingdom, the purpose of the lion's roar is it paralyzes its prey with fear. So you got animals that in their natural agility and in their strength, what they are on the inside, they've got the ability to outrun the lion. But when they hear the lion's roar, they forget who they are. I mean to talk about you. I said when they hear the sound of fear, when they hear the roaring of the lion, they forget who they are. They forget how to run. The gazelle doesn't realize it can outrun the lion. And they're taken in fear. That's what the Bible means when it says the devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Uh, if he may devour, that means that there's some he can, and there's some he can. And the difference between those who can and cannot be devoured is predicated upon how you respond to the roar. If life roars at you, and you freeze up, and you forget who you are, and whose you are, and what you are down on the inside, then you become a candidate for the lion's dinner. On the other hand, if you hear the roar and you feel the fear, yet you decide to keep moving through it, you will find yourself thriving in the midst of threats all around you. Fear paralyzes you, causes you to forget how to live your life. You lose rationale and common sense, and that's why the enemy loves for you to be afraid. There is not one outlet in our secular society today that is not telling you, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, nonstop, they are telling you, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. And it's almost as though they're trying to present this like it's something new. Maybe they've done their job so well you believe them. Newsflash. Plagues are not new. Pestilence is not new. Disease and destruction is not new. Devastation of this caliber dates all the way back to when Lucifer fell out of heaven to the earth. And since he arrived on this planet, he's been seeking to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's bringing the curse of disease and wars and lack and poverty. And they come in waves ever so often throughout the years of time of the human race. This is not new. And that's why even if we develop a vaccine for the virus, the war's still not over. You realize fear is a spirit, right? You can't vaccinate a spirit away. Do your research. The real pandemic is not the virus. The real pandemic is the fear and the total paralysis it's caused in this nation.
of the people that go to church, and that's a low percentage nationally now today in America, but of the people that go to church, one in three people that do go to church have said they refuse to go to church during the pandemic. While they go to the gas station, Walmart, get on an airplane, do everything else in the world that they do, they refuse to go to church because somehow this is the only place. And if you can't see that this is not a virus, this, this is a pandemic of fear, this is a satanic attack against the house of the Lord, against the courts of the Lord, against the beauty of his tabernacle that many of you have bought into because your family's pressuring you and the media's pressuring you. You got so much pressure on you all day, every day, that slowly but surely you're starting to bow. I'll do it. Sit there and look at me. I told you I ain't scared. One of us is going to leave and it ain't going to be me until I get done. It's a demonic spirit. And that's why a vaccination won't work. It'll just change forms. It will become something else. And they've already built the infrastructure for things like this to control us. And many Bible-believing, spirit-filled Christian people have bought into it, hook, line, and sinker. Really, it's just the good old-fashioned spirit of fear. We're in a battle. If I sound like I'm defensive this morning, I am. We're in a battle. If I sound like I'm offensive this morning, I am. We are in a battle, and the souls of millions of people are at stake. Because the enemy's strategy is to divide and then conquer. To separate the group. To separate the herd, to separate the whole, so he can single you out while you live in isolation and wage war against your mind, war against your family, war against your mental health. You better hope somebody's praying against it. You better hope somebody's saying something against it. You better hope somebody's standing against it. Because it is war, we're in a battle. But the unfortunate part is, God was honest with us about what we are in battles. When he thinks of a metaphor to describe us, he doesn't say we're like stallions. Doesn't say we're like bulls. Doesn't say we're like bears. He says we're sheep. Oh, I don't like being a sheep. Sheep are dumb. Small. Can't run fast. No power in their bite. No claws to at least scratch an enemy up, you know. No natural defense system. And, uh, Jesus had the nerve to say to us, Behold, I send you out as sheep amongst wolves. And then told me not to fear. Why would you send me out, tell me not to fear, 
when you know that you haven't created me with the equipment that I need for the battle that I'm sure to face? And he responded, the battle is not yours. He said, yes, I send you out as sheep among wolves. But then he said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And as sheep, you must know that ever so often you will encounter wolves and roaring lions in your life. Carnivorous predators that come into your presence threatening to tear you apart. And when they do, this ain't the last one. You, you've been thinking if we can just get through you don't understand what this is baby. This is infrastructure. This is a careful strategy that has cost tens of millions of dollars to put together. They're not going to build this infrastructure and then flush it down the toilet. Now that they see how you respond, Jesus didn't say things were going to get better. Jesus said, in the last days, things are going to get worse and worse and worse. And we have proven as a society how we deal with this kind of warfare. And so, when the next one comes, when the next wolf comes, when the next roaring lion comes and threatens to tear you apart, when that loved one comes and tries to guilt you and shame you for living your life in the face of this, and they roar that sound against you, they roar that mess that they've been feeding on from the media against you, you got to have something down in your spirit to respond with. So the next time the threat comes, say what I've been saying for five months. I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. I said it when the governor made us go out on the parking lot. I will fear no evil. I said it when seven of y'all finally came back to church when they let us reopen. I will fear no evil. I've said it to Sunday mornings that looked like Wednesday nights. I will fear no evil. I've said it as a shepherd and a pastor, a watchman on the wall as I watch my church dissolve in front of me. People falling away and falling out of their commitment to God and his house, I still say I will fear no. Now, of course, that verse is extrapolated and extracted from the 23rd Psalm, and the 23rd Psalm is a weapon. I know it's colloquial in church. You've heard it a thousand times before. You learned it as your Bible memory verse if you went to Sunday school. It's a weapon in the mouth of a sheep that can't bite. 
And if you'll remember it the next time the threat comes, it will endow you with power from on high. I will fear no evil. There's five phases to it. If you have my slides, you can put it up. Five phases to the chapter. Can you see it? The shepherd, the sermon, the shadow, the surely, and the secret. The shepherd, the sermon, the shadow, the surely, and the secret. Now, before we get into it, the whole text is about a divine revelation of who God really is. And I'll never be able to discover who I really am if I do not discover who he really is. If I don't know who God is, then I will glorify my enemy and give all my threats all my attention. And the enemy thrives on your attention. Enemy activity is at an all-time high in our nation right now. Because attention put on the enemy is at an all-time high in the nation right now. If you aren't careful, your fears will invade your thoughts and eventually your conversation. And finally, even your prayers to where you end up glorifying your enemy in the presence of your God. You didn't hear what I said. You didn't hear what I said. I said if you allow fear, it will invade your thoughts to the point it invades your conversation to the point that it even invades your prayer to where you get down before God to pray and you're talking about what the enemy might do. God, help me. The enemy might. God, help me. The enemy might make me sick. God, help me. The enemy might take my job. God, help me. The enemy's after my house. And you're talking all about the enemy and God's standing there saying, what about me? If you don't know who he is, it discombobulates your spatial awareness to who and where you are. When David writes the 23rd Psalm, he refuses to glorify the enemy. He said, devil, you'll get no glory here. The Lord is my shepherd. Point number one, the shepherd. First three words, the Lord is. Not was, not will be. The Lord is. I have down there, can you see that or is it too light? Present tense continuum. Can you all see that? Present tense continuum. Meaning David understood this relationship to God as my shepherd. It's ongoing forever. And what David meant was God is so awesome and all-knowing and all-powerful. Sees the end from the beginning. He would have never agreed to start being my shepherd. If he was ever going to stop being my shepherd. So there's not a time signature involved in this. And this is not based on my works. I don't have to qualify for this. There's nothing I can do to cancel this. So it moves the relationship to a permanent position of is. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, we've looked at the is. I want you to look at the my. The Lord is then my. When you discuss the my, you have to consider my is personal possessive. Everybody say personal possessive. Now, this is wild. Because this verse, or this word rather, the my, unravels the melodic mystery of the master's grace. 
because the God of the universe has allowed himself to become a personal possession. I understand that I am his, but Dave is teaching me not only am I his, but by grace, he has made it to where he is mine. I understand the greater owning the lesser. But God made it possible for the lesser to own the greater. The Lord is my shepherd, my personal shepherd. Driving down the street in my car, I got my shepherd. When I lay my head down in my bedroom, I got my shepherd. If I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and need to call him, my shepherd standing there watching over me with an ear ready to hear and eyes ready to see. He is my personal shepherd. When my children are in trouble, he's ready to hear my cry. When my finances are under attack, he's ready to be the God who supplies all my needs. He is my everyday, all the time, personal possessive shepherd. I'm his and he is mine. Now, David discovered this revelation of God based off his own experience being a shepherd. David knew what it was like to be on the backside of the desert taking care of sheep. He knew what it was like to pull a baby lamb out of its mama and nurse it and look after it and be there when it, when it finally was able to get its legs under him, you know, and, and to watch it over the span of his life. David knew what it was like for a higher being, the shepherd, to look after a lower being, the sheep, and yet still find a love and a bond and a relationship with them. David knew what it was like to be lonely as a shepherd, out in the field to have no one else like you you could relate to. So you found yourself relating to something lower. Just like God who looked high and low to find another God beside him and found no other God to relate to. So he decided to build a relationship with something lower. And David knew what it was like to talk to the sheep. David knew what it was like to sing to the sheep. David knew what it was like to defend the sheep from their enemies. And so later in his life, when he came up under personal attack and threats were, were all around him, and they were threatening to kill him and destroy him, David said, wait a minute, devil. God is to me what I am to these sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not no wonder he was able to say, I will fear no evil because he knew with full confidence who the shepherd was. And the problem we got among our churches and the problem we got with Christians is that a whole lot of people claiming to be Christians that really don't know who the shepherd is. There's a whole lot of people been going to church for years that have never had a true and deep personal revelation of who the shepherd really is. Or maybe they heard the roar and forgot who he is. But David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall I shall not want. I shall not want. Now, I want you to focus real quick 
on two words, the is and the my. Everybody say the is, the is. and the my. the my. David got to the point in his relationship with God that God's is impacted his my. I want you to just let that sit on you for a minute because it's really good. God's is, in other words, everything that God's is determined how David communicated about his my. When you say my, you're talking about yourself. You're talking about what you possess. That's mine. That's my car. You're talking about what you have, what is yours. God's is directly impacted David's my. David understood that the one who is healing is my healer. Oh, it went over your head. It's too early on a Sunday morning. The one who is deliverance is my deliverer. The one who is supply is my supplier. So I can walk in anytime, anywhere because of my relationship with the shepherd and I can say that's my healing. That's my deliverance. That's my money. That's my breakthrough because the is of God impacted the my of David. And you'll never truly walk in power in the midst of threats until God's is informs your my. The Lord is my shepherd. Point number two, the sermon. David preaches a sermon in the middle of the text. I want you to notice the four components of the relationship between the big he and the little me. Number one, he makes me. Big he makes little me lie down in green pastures. After being attacked and threatened so much, sheep lose the instinct to rest. They can be standing in a green pasture of blessing, but not feel blessed. Just be standing there shaking, looking at all the rocks, waiting on the predators to step behind them and come attack them. And it teaches something us, it teaches us something about ourselves. There are times that God will lead you to a good place and things will be good, but you don't feel good because you're so used to being attacked. You'll be blessed, but you won't feel blessed because you're so used to being attacked. And David said, I had been attacked so much, I couldn't find a place to rest. And so when I got to the green pasture, the big he made the little me lay down. He makes me receive my blessing. He makes me receive pleasure. He makes me receive joy. He makes me receive mental rest. He makes me lie down in the green pastures. He, big he, leads me, little me, beside still waters. Sheep are so dumb and needs driven that the instinct to drink overwhelms their sense of caution. So if they go to water and the current's moving too fast, the sheep will be sucked in and drowned by something that looks like a blessing. Have you ever almost drowned by something that looked like a blessing? So sometimes the shepherd holds them back from what looks good to them and leads them the long way around to what's good for them. 
Because not everything that looks good to you is good for you. And if you live long enough and walk with God long enough, you'll walk through some doors that you tried to open. I mean, you put a battering ram on that door, trying to get that door to open, only for it to remain closed. And you were mad at God for a little bit until you live long enough to look back and find out that if you would have gone through that door, it would have drowned you. And as you walk with God, he proves himself faithful. And you look back over your life and say, thank you for leading me to the still waters. Thank you for giving me blessings that were at a pace that I could handle them, at a pace where I could receive them. You'll start praying crazy prayers like, God, don't give me nothing that's too fast for me. Don't give me a job that's too fast for me. Don't, don't give me a checking account that's too fast for me. Don't, don't give me a spouse that's too fast for me. I don't want nothing fast. I want to stay at my speed. You lead me. The big he leads the little me beside the still waters big he restores little me's soul when I get exhausted and depleted and have come to the edge of my sanity and no vacation can fix me you ever taken a vacation and you come back feeling worse or maybe you need a vacation from people you can't vacation from you know you know, and you just come back feeling absolutely depleted. And you, you find that therapy can't fix it. Rest can't fix it because you, you can sleep, but you can't rest. Time can't fix it. And you just feel like everything is falling apart in those moments. Only God, the big he, can restore your soul. Only God can reset and restore your mental health. Only God can restore your joy. Only God can restore your soul. And then he leadeth me. The big he leads the little me in the paths of righteousness. It's not that we're righteous. It's just he leads us in the path. Righteousness is a path he established. And so he leads us in it. And isn't it amazing when you try to get off the path? You always run into him. I wish I had about 14 backsliders that knew what I was talking about. I know you ain't going to raise your hand on this one. But have you ever, like, wanted to get crazy? Y'all ain't going to talk to me. Have you ever, as a believer, you know, knowing to do right, have you ever thought about and planned to go do wrong? And you get all gussied up to go do wrong, and you get it all planned out and all scheduled, and you go there to do wrong, and the one you're going to do wrong with didn't show up? Just leave me up here. It's okay. I can handle it. You ever had God mess your evil plans up? And then they'll use you in the middle of your mess, backslidden, just totally foolish. And God will come and start pulling his word out of you. And he'll come and start pulling his presence into your car. And he'll come and start whispering to you. He'll, he'll come and start loving on you right there in your backslidden mess. And just gently pulling you back to the path. I'm not on the path because I'm good. I'm on the path because the big he led the little crazy me to the right path. Ordering my steps and stuff. Making my way clear and stuff. Making crooked places straight and stuff. It's all about the big he. And the little me. Leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. That's the four points of David's mini sermon. He's preaching. He makes me. He leads me. 
He restores me. He put me in a path. Everybody ought to have a, a little sermon. Everybody ought to be able to preach a little bit. Even if you never throw a revival or hold a conference, even if the only congregation is you. Everybody ought to have a sermon down inside your spirit that when the enemy comes and roars a threat at you, you can pull that sermon out. Say, wait a minute, devil. I'm not going to forget who I am just because you roared at me. I'm not going to forget what God's done in my life just because you roared at me. He made me lie down in some green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul you got to have something in your spirit to roar back. And that's maybe why things aren't going so well with you. Because you've been being roared at, and you ain't said nothing back. You're like that gazelle that has all the speed and agility in the world to escape the attack. But you're frozen in fear. You forgot what God put down in you. So he preaches his sermon. And then number three, the shadow. David says, yes. I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Old King James says it like this. Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yes. Yes. I'm in a dark place. One thing I hate about old school people of faith is they'd never confess or admit anything, even if it was their reality, you know? They come in coughing. <coughs> and you ask them, you know, you feeling okay? You got a cold? Nope, feeling fine. Healed of the Lord. You may be healed of the Lord. Don't cough on me. You, know, you got something. And David's saying, the faith experience with God is not about walking in delusion. It's not about being fake and ignoring reality. David said, yes, I'm walking through a dark place. Yes, this is the lowest place I've ever been in my life. Yes. I'm in the valley of the shadow, and not just any shadow, I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. The greatest fear mankind has is the fear of death. I'm in the valley of the shadow of my greatest fear and my greatest threat. I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. And I want you to know it, and I'm admitting it to you. Nothing I learned about the big he has stopped the little me from going through the valley of the shadow of death. And the reason he keeps going back, he, me, he, me, he, me. And the reason he's so honest and transparent, David wants you to know, God doesn't love the me you're gonna be. God doesn't love the me, you know, if I mature in a few years, that I might become. The big he loves the little me that I am. He loves me with the circumstances I'm going through right now. He loves me not as I should be, but as I am with my broken self, with my twisted self, with my mistake-making self, with my messed up self. The big he loves the little me. And when you know you're loved, you can be honest. Yeah. 
Yes. I know all about the big E. And nothing I know about the big E stopped the little me from walking through this valley of the shadow of death. And in the text, that's why I've been so hard today. That's why I've been so biting and so cutting with my words. Because, and that is apostolic, you know, but, but because in the text, God never removed the shadow. He just told David to walk through it. And the reason it's time for you to get your hips up off your couch and get back to church is because this thing ain't going away. It ain't going to be two weeks quarantine and you come back and all of a sudden everything's gone. It ain't going to be four weeks. It ain't going to be four months. This thing's here to stay for a long time. And if you keep boarding yourself up in the house and refusing to go anywhere and refusing to come to the house of God, your soul is going to be up under an unrelenting attack from the enemy. This is the kind of shadow that you simply have to keep walking through. You got to keep living your life. You got to keep going to restaurants. You got to keep getting on planes. You got to keep going to church. You got to keep going to work. You got to keep sending your kids to school. You got to keep doing what you do in life or it will take your life while you're still living. This shadow ain't going to go away. You're going to have to walk through it. Vaccine ain't going to make it go away. Are you kidding me? You're going to have to walk through it. Government ain't going to make this thing go. They don't know what to do. They change their story every two weeks. You're going to have to walk through this. I don't know how to tell you. I'm a burden pastor trying to get something over to people that I love. You are going to have to learn how to feel the fear and yet walk through this. Yay! Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And if you're going to walk through it, you better set your attitude. If you don't set your attitude, your attitude will be tossed every time you turn on the media. You turn on Fox, you'll feel one way. You turn on CNN, you'll feel another. You turn on one news radio station, you're going to feel one way. Turn on another, you'll feel the other. You have to set your own attitude. And David said, while I'm walking through this shadow, here's my attitude. I will fear no evil. Oh, every time you say that, something swells in your spirit. And if you say it enough, it'll fill you with the confidence of God. I will fear no evil. If you got something threatening you, whether it's the virus or if it's something else, I dare you to throw up both your hands. Get a little gravel in your gut. Get some bass in your voice, men. Get some fierceness in your voice, women. And say, I will fear no evil. will fear no evil try to shame me if you want to for worshiping my God in his house 
I'm here because I will fear no evil. I'm gonna take to I'm gonna take my wife to every restaurant they'll let me in. Take my temperature 36,000 times if you want to. But I will fear no evil. I'm gonna live my life. That's what that's what Jesus died for. He said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. There you are, Holy Ghost filled, sanctified believer, locked in your house for the last seven weeks. That's not life. And they want to keep you another seven months longer. I promise you. I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. You didn't stop me from going through it. But you promised to go through it. Now, you've either responded to this shadow. Because this is where we're living right now. This word is right now. This is what we're dealing with. You've either responded to this valley of the shadow of death one of two ways. You've, you're like the animal that is paralyzed when it hears the roar. Or you're like David who's just kept walking through it. I might be walking slow, but I'm walking through it. I might be stumbling, but I'm, I'm walking through I'm moving through this thing. I'm moving through it. And if you're moving through it, there's a couple of things you need to know about the shadow that David teaches. It's in the shadow. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. First thing about the shadow, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I was nervous walking through the valley of the shadow till I looked over at the shepherd and I saw a rod. The rod is the shepherd's weapon, meaning all the enemies that are hiding in this shadow, when they come after me, they're going to hit the rod. I don't know if you knew this. Your shepherd can fight. Your God's a capable fighter. The scripture says in Exodus, he's a man of war. I want to warn all my enemies before you come after me. I'm walking with the shepherd. I don't have a rod, but he carries a big stick. I'm walking with the shepherd, and he's got a rod. But the other thing is, this is a dark time. It's a dark time. Let's be honest, it's a dark time. And I don't know about you, I don't truly trust myself. I'm not great, you know, directions and all. And uh, it's dark. And I'm a little worried about me straying sometimes. But David said, when I stray, he's got a staff with a hook on it. He knows how to pull me back in when I get beside myself in a dark season. In other words, you got all the equipment you need, shepherd, to keep me safe while I walk through this. Then he said about the shadow, and this is crazy, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
is crazy. David reveals here that the valley of the shadow is actually a blessed place. David said, I've never been blessed like I was blessed while I was walking through the shadow. I've never had him prepare a table like he prepared a table when I was walking through the shadow. There's something about walking through the shadow of death with all of the enemies hiding in it that motivates God to bless you like he's never blessed you in any other place. Now, I know you don't feel blessed because it's such a dark time and the valley's been so long. But I bet you if you look over your shoulder, I bet you if you add it all up on paper, <clears throat> I bet you if you get you a pen and a pad and you do some addition, I bet you you'll find that this has not been a season of decline for you. I bet you you've come up in this season. I bet you you haven't been cursed in this season. I bet you you've been blessed. I bet you that God's been providing all of your needs according to his riches and glory. I bet God's cut the roof over your head and food on the table and clothes on your back and a vehicle up underneath you. I bet God's been better to you than how you've been praising him. Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Next thing that happens in the shadow, thou anoints my head with oil. When shepherds would take sheep through valleys. Are you listening to me? Valleys are dark places. No light. Uh, mountains on either side casting shadows. In the desert, the snakes go into valleys. They don't want to get scorched by the sun. And they burrow. They dig snake holes. Cool, nice place to nest and lay their eggs. Now, sheep are dumb creatures. And one of the symptoms of being a dumb creature is you're overly curious. Just curious about every little hole you see. Just hmm, wonder what's down in there. So the sheep will go and just stick their nose down into any old hole just to see what's in there. And the snakes would bite the sheep in the nose. The venom would go to the brain and kill the sheep. So in the ancient Middle East, shepherds poured oil over the sheep's head because oil back then had frankincense in it. That was the original mixture of the apothecary's oil. It had frankincense in it. And frankincense is a snake repellent. <laughs> so because the shepherd knows the proclivity of the sheep, because he knows the real me, not what I should be and not what I might become and not what I ought to be because he knows the real me 
and he knows occasionally I'll stick my head down into something I ain't got no business sticking my head into he doesn't say you're bad boy you shouldn't have put your head in there he anoints my head with oil so that when I stick my head in something that should have killed me I end up coming out with a testimony to tell I just wonder if there's anybody in here that ever stuck your head down into something and you should have been bit and you you should have been destroyed and you should have been taken but it was the anointing that shepherd put on your head that lets you come out with a story to tell the truth of the matter is you want to see how anointed you are don't get up and try to sing and minister you want to see how anointed you are don't get up and try to preach all you have to do to tell how anointed you are is look back at all the stuff that should have bit you and killed you along the way all the stupid stuff you've done in your life you really want to feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit and see what your measure is let your mind run down memory lane and count up all the times that snake should have bitten you let your mind do a little preview of what you've been through in the past and let your mind run and see how many times you could have been taken and you could have been destroyed there's some people in this room right now that know for a fact you should not be here there was a lot of snakes that could have bitten you and taken you out but the shepherd poured something on your head who am I talking to in this room I said the shepherd poured something on your head No way you should have made it home that night. Some of you know way you should have made it home last night. No way you should have got out of that relationship unscathed. No way you should have survived when that gun started going off in that club. No way you should have made it through all the things you made it through in the neighborhood you grew up in. But there was oil on your head from a shepherd who knows your weakness. I said there's oil on your head from a shepherd that knows your weakness. I said there's oil. And you like to praise him for promotion. And you like to praise him from new cars. And you like to praise him when chill bumps run down your neck. I like to praise him for all the snakes that should have bit me in the face. But somehow, some way, the shepherd kept me safe. Somehow, some way, the shepherd kept me safe. If he ever kept you safe from a snake, you ought to praise him in the house right now. just sat down and thought about all the snakes all the snakes you dated leave me up here like you don't know what I'm talking about all the snakes you slept with all the snakes you did drugs with don't know what was in that needle or where it was before you got it think about all the snakes all the snakes you were surrounded by, all the snakes in your family. All those times you cuddled up close to a snake. Wrapped your arms around a snake. Went to sleep in the house unconscious with a snake around you. And somehow some way 
Every time they tried to bite you, there was an aroma permeating off of you that was saying, not that one, not that one, not that one. People in my high school class are laying in the graveyard this morning and I was in some of the same situations they were in but there was something on me that said not that one not that one not that one and I don't care what you think of me I don't care if you think I'm crazy my God deserves my praise my God deserves my energy my God deserves my passion my God deserves my reckless abandonment there was a whole lot of stuff there was a whole lot of stuff that should have been me. Thou anointest my head with oil for the shadow and the valley I'm walking through. Everybody that's still watching at home. You don't get that anointing if you don't walk. My apostolic mentor taught me the anointing only comes when it is needed. If you don't use it, you lose it. So yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I got snakes all around me. I got venomous stuff all around me. I got stuff all around me that could destroy me. And that's why you poured oil on my head to give me the ability to walk safely through something that should have killed me. And you say, but it's killed so many other people. Valleys kill people, baby. Valleys kill people. Valleys kill people. That's what the anointing is for. I ain't talking about everybody else. I'm talking about you. Thou anointest. I said, thou anointest. He's not talking about his nation. He's not talking about everybody in his community. As for me, thou anointest. And then he said, finally about the shadow, my cup. I'm in the middle of the darkest period in my life. But I look down at my cup. It's almost like the darker the days get, the more God just keeps pouring. 
It's like the more misery that you go through, it's just the more favor he keeps pouring. It's like the more people hate you, it's just the more favor he keeps pouring. You know what the Bible said? The Bible said because Leah was so hated that God favored her. That God added up all of the hatred that she had endured and then made it commiserate with the favor he dumped on her life. My cup runs over. David didn't say that in the sweet dewy plains of the green pastures. He said, my cup runneth over while I'm in the shadow. But you can be walking with the shepherd eating from a prepared table with oil dripping off your head and an overflowing cup in your hand and still be worried because of the fear caused by the valley. So that's why he wrote the last verse. Number four, surely. Surely, surely, number four, surely, goodness and mercy, the twins of grace, the twins of grace, goodness and mercy. As you've been walking through the valley of the shadow, I bet you, if you look over your right shoulder, you'll see his goodness somewhere. God's been good to you. I know you ain't going to praise him. I know you're lackadaisical and tired. But the truth of the matter is, if you look over your shoulder these last few months, God has been good to you. And then look over your other shoulder and you'll see mercy. Whole lot of sins been committed in this room the last four months. Whole lot of new to do right and did wrong anyways been done in this room over the last few months. Whole lot of you know better than that been done in this room over the last few months and yet the mercy the mercy the kindness that you don't deserve mercy is receiving goodness when you deserve judgment David said surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. God is a stalker. Calling me 20 times a day. Talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. When I hit ignore on the phone because I'm busy, he calls, right? Talk to me. You want to talk to me? Talk to me. Talk to me. You want to talk to me? You know those people that say, I love you too fast and it scares you? Like, <laughs> You're so obsessed with me. God said it on our first date. You know those people that give you too much too early? You know? 
over my life, I've been through seasons where I tried to give him all the signals to leave me alone. I don't want to live my life like that. I don't want to follow that. I don't want to do that. I got to be me. 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 He said, that's funny. That's, that's what I love about you. You don't understand how sick I am. You want to get real? I'll tell you how, how I really am. It's the reason I died for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. you. You do realize Jesus didn't die for the good parts of you. That's right. That's right, John. That's right. He died for the despicable, disgusting flaws, the dark side the reckless side, the wicked side. That's why they pierced his side. Was for that side. And ever since I met him, he's been stalking me. When I wake up in the morning, goodness and mercy. When I go in the kitchen to make my coffee, goodness and when I commit willful sin and know I'm wrong and really quite frankly in that moment I'd just like some privacy to deal with my own self even then there is goodness and mercy tracking me stalking me looking for me hunting me since I met him I hadn't been able to make him stop maybe that's why the Oaks folks wrote the song I surrender all I surrender all to thee my blessed Savior to surrender. He wouldn't leave me alone. And some of you dragged your broken, hurting, messed up little me back to the house of God this morning. And you made a good decision. Because number five is the secret to all the benefits of the, of the first five verses. Number five, the secret is I got all of those things because I made the decision to dwell in the house. about it because that's the thing that's up under attack right now. The house of the Lord. The sacred gathering of the faithful. Not sacred because of who we are, but sacred because Jesus commanded it 
when he said where two or three among you are gathered when you you that believe in me when you gather together there I am in the midst of your gathering I'll come into your gathering I'll do special things in your gathering I'll do special things in the atmosphere of your gathering I'll do special things in your spirit when you gather I'll do special things in your life when you gather together at my house I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever David goes on to write about him in Psalm 27 and he said I don't, I don't know how you've lost this. Have I failed that bad and done that poor a job? David, our instructor of the Old Testament as far as praise and worship and liturgical expressions to God. David, the reason we have praise and worship services, you know, David... The reason we sing praise songs fast and worship songs slow. David, the reason that, that worship to God always includes an organ and a set of drums and cymbals and stringed instruments because that's what David prescribed. There was something spiritual about them. God created them for that purpose to worship his name. I'm talking about David. David said one thing. He said I can't make you feel the weight of this. He said, one thing have I desired and one thing only will I seek that I may dwell, that I may stay connected, that I may be among the faithful, that I may be in the house of the... And I don't know if you can hear it, but it's the bleeding heart of God crying out of Scripture to a people who are walking through the valley of the shadow of death and he is saying, if your life's falling apart, if you're getting ravaged by the wolves in that valley, it's time to come back home. If you've been allowing fear to paralyze you, it's time to come back home. I don't know what you came to see today, but I love you enough to tell you the truth. I don't know why you tuned on to watch today, but I love you enough to tell you the truth. Most of you still ain't even there. The average watch time on our live stream is 26 minutes. They say that's how we should transition in the future to going to church. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. One thing have I desired. And one thing will I seek after. I may dwell. I may dwell. Because I learn when I dwell, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Father, I pray a blessing upon your people today. I pray a blessing upon your people today. If there's too many cuts and bruises, God, from the word, send the balm of Gilead. Remind us your goodness and mercy chasing after us, stalking us every day. 
Bless your people today. Strengthen them in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to I challenge you to get an offering for the house of the Lord. If you could join Katie and I with an offering of $50, that's what we're giving today. But whatever you can. Nobody's going to give online today. I ran them all off. So the offering responsibility of the church is on these few people sitting here today. But why don't we let God know that the house still matters? Why don't we let God know? There's one thing we desire, one thing we seek after, and that's what we find in His presence when we come to His house. Why don't we let Him know that? Why don't we let Him know that? David said in Psalms 27, I will offer my sacrifices with joy in your tabernacle. Why don't we let Him know that? Why don't we let Him know that? Why don't we let Him know that? Father, we honor You today. We thank You today. We thank You today.